we are, uh, this is a, a wonderful day. Um, it's a day of uh, rejoicing, a day of celebration, because I'm going to give you the secret to experiencing God today. That's right. Aren't you glad you came now? Yeah, oh, one person is. That's excellent. Um, we have been walking through a, uh, a series called Identity to Destiny. And basically what we've been doing over the last six weeks is trying to figure out who the heck we are, what we're supposed to be doing, and last week we finally started on, now do it. We've talked about where do you find your value in this world, in life. You already have value from God. God has created you in His image. He knew you before time. You're lovingly created by God for a purpose. To be like Christ to the world. To be like Jesus Christ, to follow him in every way, every day, try more and more to become like Jesus Christ and to go out into the world and to share his love. Last week, we talked about the great commencement address, as we called it in Matthew 28, the great commission where Jesus gets before his disciples and us and says, all right, you've heard it all. You know it all. Now go do it. That's my translation. Now go into the world and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have taught you. And surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. He's called us out into the world to be his hands and his feet. So the question is, how do you do that? Now that you know that's what God wants for you, How do you do it? How do you begin to be his hands and his feet? Because quite honestly, that's a daunting task. All right, you are going to be Jesus to the world now. Oh, man. Does he know who I am? (laughs) I mean, like, he created me, so he's got to know who I am. But seriously, he thinks I can pull this off? What are you supposed to be doing in this world? Where can you serve? Where can you begin to be the hands and the feet of Christ? That's the question. That's the question that we're going to answer today. I have to tell you something, and I'm glad you're sitting down, um, because this will come as a shock to, I'm sure, most of you. I am not the most gifted person in the world. (laughs) I see. Aren't you glad you're sitting down, too? I am not. You know, there are areas in my life that I have very little gifting. Very little gifting. There are areas in my life that just God goes, you know what? There's going to be other people that could do that. You, no, let's just stay away from that, Michael. Let's focus on these things. I do have some gifts in my life. I do have some gifts in my world. God created me with something in mind and he gave me some talents. He gave me some abilities. Here's the world we live in. The world we live in tells us that we can be all things. We can do everything. You can do whatever you want to do if you put your mind to it. You can be whatever you want to be if you just pray hard enough. If you just really listen to God, you can do anything. I'm sorry, but that's just not true. I don't want to burst your bubble, but it's not true. Because God didn't make it that way. He didn't make it that way so that we would be together. So that we could be the body together. Not that one person, Michael Paul Crocker, when he's born in 1974, could go out and from that moment on, we've got everything under control. Because I made him to do everything. That's silly, isn't it? Doesn't it sound silly? Yes, that means I'm 32. Those of you are looking at each other. 
It's kind of, it's kind of silly to think about that, but a lot of times that's what the world is telling us to do. A lot of times the world is saying, you can do it all. You can have it all. You can be it all. We, I, I live in a Methodist system where I am becoming a pastor that tells me I can do it all. A lot of times churches, especially big connectional churches like the United Methodist Church, are trying to train pastors that will do everything, that can do everything. You're a pastor that can do uh, the janitorial services at the church if you need to. You can do the secretarial work. You can do the administrative work. You can do the evangelism. You can do the pastoral care. You can do the preaching and the teaching and the singing, whatever. You can do it because you're a pastor and that's your job. Baloney is what I say. You might suspect that I'm not the star student of the Methodist system. When I go to my interviews, they kind of look at me with a little bit of suspicion. Because I walk in there and they're like, what are your weaknesses? And I'm like, these are my weaknesses and I I don't like doing that. I can't do it. So I focus on these things. And I get in trouble for it a lot of times. Like, no, you need to be doing these things. I'm not good at it. Why send me when there's somebody that's much more gifted in that area? Have you ever felt like that? Because it's not just with pastors that churches do this. It's with everybody. We have a need in church and we're going to call somebody and just get a warm body, someone that has blood running through their veins, and we're going to shove them into that place of service and say, serve because that's what God's called you to do. All the while they're going, I don't know what to do here. I have no gifts for this. I have no desire to be here. When Jen and I were in Fort Worth in seminary, we were going to this church. And and after visiting a few times, we received in the mail a card, a little postcard type deal. And on it, it said, it, it had a date. This date is your day to serve in the nursery. If you can't serve on that date, please find a substitute. Yeah, that was my reaction as well. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I, don't, I don't even belong to your church, and you're telling me my date to serve in the nursery? I don't even like snot rows and little kids. You know, I, going in there with all that snot and gross job. I mean, no. No way. And I didn't find a replacement either. I had no passion to be in there. Sure, I have a degree in elementary education. Sure, I've been around kids for a long time. I taught children. But guess what? I don't want to do that anymore. I have no desire to be there. And yet, they're trying to fit me into this spot, saying, this is where you will be at this date, at this time. Man, churches do that all the time. We say, we need you to teach in the quarry over there, in the Sunday school area. We need you to teach, and we want you to teach for a year. We don't do that here, actually. We only sign you up for a month. Gina Beale will be happy to know that I'm at least saying that. But a lot of churches will stick you somewhere and say, we have a need, so you need to fill it. When it just doesn't work. It just doesn't. God didn't create it that way. God didn't create us that way. Yes, he wants us to serve him. Yes, he wants us to be his hands and feet. But guess what? It's only in certain areas. It's only at specific spots and places because he created you special. There is no one, thank the Lord, I'm sure, upstairs, he keeps going, I can't believe I made Michael like that, but I did. There's no one else like me in the world. No one else like me. I am just a weird anomaly. 
And so are you. Every one of us has these gifts and these talents and these desires and passions. We need to begin to use them the way God intended for us. In the book of Romans, open up to Romans chapter 12. Paul is talking here, and this is the body of Christ verse. If you're you're familiar with it at all, the body of Christ verse, this is something that, that we've really talked about over the past year and a half in here at least four times, I think. Four, in four or five different series, we have hit on this, and we've talked about it. I know because I have pencil marks and stuff all over this passage. I thought back. I said, you know, we've done this before. We've talked about it before. Yeah, it's important. Romans 12, starting at verse 1, Paul is talking, writing, and he says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to Christ. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. When you think of what he has done for you, is this too much to ask? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. As God's messenger, I give each of you this warning. Be honest in your estimate of yourselves. Measuring your value by how much faith God has given you. Just as our bodies have many parts on, and each part has a specific function, so it is with Christ's body. We are all part of his one body, and and each of us has different work to do. And since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. So if God's given you the ability to prophesy... Speak out when you have faith that God is speaking through you. If your gift is that of serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, do a good job of teaching. If your gift is that of encouragement, encourage others. If you have money, share it generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. In other words, whatever you are gifted in, do it. Whatever God has given you gifts in, use them. I had a PE professor, coach in eighth grade. He used to wear this shirt, uh, two shirts that he always wore, alternated days. No pain, no gain was his first one. That was always not a fun day to show up to PE. And the second one was use it or lose it. If you have a gift, I know you have a gift. That God has given you. Use it. He's called you to be his hands and feet in the world. He's given you something to to contribute to the world. So do it. It takes all of us together to form the body of Christ. It can't be done by just one of us. It takes all of us. So how do you do that? You have to figure out where your gifts are first. Three things you need to do. You need to look to the mind. You need to think about what your gifts are. Think about where you're gifted. Think about where God has gifted you. There are things called the discovery trail that we have at the front desk, or you can get them actually at the back table on your way out. The discovery trail is something that you go through and you answer a whole bunch of questions. Do you like to do this? Would you uh, enjoy spending time doing this? If this were a situation, how do you feel about this? All of these things, and it leads you, and it kind of helps shape what your spiritual gifts are. If you have the gift of administration, a mercy gift, a gift of teaching or preaching, 
a, a gift of craftsmanship or artistry. Whatever your gifts are, it helps to form that. It helps you to find what they are. And think about what you've done in the past. Think about where you have succeeded, where you have done well, where you have felt fulfilled, because those are the areas of your giftedness. When you do something and you succeed in it and things go well, and and just time and time again it keeps coming up, you keep using this thing, you keep doing administrative work, you keep organizing people to death, maybe that's your gift. Maybe you are in the gift of administration, the gift of type A personality. It's a gift to some people, a curse to others. But where's your gift? Ask your family and friends what they think you are gifted in because they watch you, they know who you are, and they will know. They will see how you live your life, and they will say, you may walk up to them and say, you know what, I think I'm gifted in listening. (laughs) No, you're not. (laughs) Talking, maybe. Ask your family and friends what your gifts are. Ask God, pray, listen for guidance from the Holy Spirit. But here's a caution. Don't think that you have to be perfect at something in order to be gifted in it. Don't think that you have to be the best ever prayer person in order to have a gift of prayer. Don't think that you have to be the best teacher in the world in order to have a gift of teaching. Don't think too highly of what you should be doing. And also be realistic. Be realistic with what your gifts are. I really, honestly want the gift of artistry. I would love to be an oil painter. It's kind of weird, I know. I I would love to be able to to do something like uh, Marianne Hollingshead and to just bring forth this expression of God's love and God's miracles through painting. I can barely draw stick figures. Realistically, that's not one of my gifts. So be realistic with yourself. Think about it. Do the discovery trail. Come talk to one of the pastors. Talk to your family and friends. Find out what your gifts are. So you need to start with the mind. The second thing you need to do is go to the heart. Where are your passions? What are you passionate about? Because you can know what your gifts are, but if you're not using them in an area that you're passionate about, it's not going to be fulfilling to you. This is where the church gets into trouble sometimes. We find somebody with a gift of administration who has a passion for serving the needy and the poor, and we say, you know what? Uh, the choir needs an administrative person. So we're going to stick you in the choir and they hate music, but we're saying, you you know, you're going to use your gift. You're a gifted administration. So go over to the choir and, and straighten those crazy people out because artists are all crazy and we need somebody with a type A administrative mind. So go over there and serve. And all the while they're like, I hate this. Why can't I be with fishing under the bridge and helping to organize their menu and helping, helping to buy everything and organizing volunteers and, and cars to go down every month? Why can't, I be, why can't I be using my gifts where I'm passionate? Find out where your passion is. Where is your heart leading you? Because if you're not using your gifts in that area, it won't be fulfilling. You could be using your gift perfectly, but if it's in an area where you just get the heebie-jeebies... It's not going to work. 
that's not going to benefit the kingdom. Where are your passions? And, and also look to your past experiences. Look to your life. What has happened in your life? Because a lot of times, the way you have been shaped through your past experiences is going to lead you into your passions. My passions have changed over the past 10 months because of my daughter. My passions of where I need to use my gifts have changed a little bit. I, I want to I be driven in a different direction now because of the experiences I've gone through with my daughter. Your life shapes your passions. Be very aware of that. Be very aware of where your heart and where God is pulling you. So you need to find your gifts. You need to find your passion. And then the last thing you need to do is look to the feet is you need to use them. You need to put the mind and the heart into action and to find your place for service. Because if you know what your gift is and you know where your passion lies and you're not using it, that benefits no one. It doesn't benefit the kingdom and it doesn't benefit you. What does Paul say when you begin to use this? You will truly know how good and perfect God's will really is. You will truly experience God in an incredible way, in an abundant life that Jesus promises us. If you begin to serve him through your gifts and your passions. So get involved. Do something. Anything. We're not asking you to, to sign up for something for the rest of your life. No. Try something out. Go once and see if that is where you belong. Try it for a month and see if that's where you belong. And don't think that you have to go across the world to serve. Jenna and I have some friends that, that were both missionaries and they actually met overseas and were married. And they're back in the States now. They live up in Austin. They have a little girl a little younger than we are, or than, than ours. Um, and, and they are planning on going back to Africa. They're planning on moving their entire family to Africa to live and to serve. And we talk about this uh, with them quite frequently. And I sit there and in my mind, I'm like, dude, no way would you get me to do that. There is no stinking way that you could say, Michael, you, Jenna and Grace need to pack up everything you have and move to Africa to live. It's just not my passion. It's not my heart. And you know what? That's okay. It's okay that I don't want to be in Africa because I want to be here. My passion lies in this community. My passion lies in this room. It's okay if you don't feel like you're one of those missionary people that you hear about that sell everything they have and move to another country and live the rest of their lives there. God bless those people because they're part of the body of Christ and they have answered a call. But you know, God has called some of us here, some of us locally, some of us inside the walls of this church. He's called some of us to be homebound visitors that take communion once a month to people that can't make it to church, but we still give them communion. He calls some people to go across the street to the forum and just to sit and to talk with some of the residents over there. He calls people to pray in our prayer room, which is right behind the corner here. It's open 24 hours a day. And people for most of the day are in there praying. He calls some people to that. God calls us differently. And there's a reason. As I said before, it can't be done by one person alone. It takes all of us to be the body of Christ. 
When I've talked about this before in here, one time I wore a t-shirt up here and I've talked about it a few other times. You might remember it. It says on the back, there's no such thing as a grit. There's no such thing as a grit. And almost every time I wear that shirt, people ask me what the heck it means. There's no such thing as a grit. Yeah, it is. I've had grits down there at the... Exactly. You've never gone into a restaurant and said, I'll have a grit, please. Just one little itty bitty grit right on my plate. No. It takes all of them to form the meal. You order grits. It takes us all. It takes all of us to be the body of Christ. It takes all of us serving together. It takes the people with the gifts of teaching and preaching, the gifts of mercy. If you were to tell me that the rest of my ministry were to be spent in a hospital, doing hospice care, doing hospital visits, walking into room after room, I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could do it. When I I go into hospital rooms, and and when I go in there, a few things happen to me. One, I don't like being one-on-one with people all the time. It makes me nervous. It gets me out of my comfort zone. Two, I don't like germs. And guess what? Hospital rooms, full of germs. So you walk in there, and God bless and God love these people. They can't help that they're sick. And, And I walk in there, and there's a person that's needing God and needing Christ and needing to feel his love. And I go in there, and I'm just... Oh my goodness, I will touch, you know, like the foot of the person to pray with him. It just isn't me. That's not where my passion is. That's not where my gifts lie. But there are people like Dinah Shelley on staff here who goes in there and will hold hands and will sit and will listen. There are people that will, I mean, Debbie Chesney, I'm sure, has crawled in the bed of someone at a hospital and just, you know, lied with them for a while. Can I just be here with you? People that just thrive on that, that love to be in those situations of caring and listening and comforting. It's not that I don't care. Of course I care. It's just that's not where my gifts lie. That's not where my passion is. You have to detect where your gifts are and where your passion is. Once you find that, you need to begin to use them. You need to begin to bring glory to God by using them. And let me tell you, the experience that you get when you do that is amazing. It's just amazing. I get up here every Sunday, and sometimes I use my notes, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I don't even have notes. I just walk up here and go, here's what's going to happen. God has gifted me in the area of public speaking. You might disagree, but I tend to think so. And when I come up here on a Sunday basis and I use my gifts in an area that I have passion, I have passion for you people. I have passion preaching the word of God, trying to get people from where they are in the relationship with Christ, if at all, to somewhere stronger. That just revs my engines. That gets me going in the morning. Going to a hospital, not so much. But coming up here, yes. And when I get up here and I get to do that, I just get excited. There's sometimes I just go on and on and I look up and it's 12 o'clock and I'm like, whoops, I have no idea. They, we had to get a bigger clock so I could see it because I kept going over. I just get passionate about it. I lose track of time. I lose track of what I've said. It's an amazing experience to walk in your gift, to realize what your gift is, to find the place of passion that you have and to use it. You experience that good and perfect will of God. And let's face it, we need you. 
God needs you. God needs you. Kind of funny to say, isn't it? God, all-powerful, all-present, needs you. Because as we said a couple of weeks ago, we are his plan to change and save the world. Jesus Christ did his part. He died. He rose again for our salvation. But now it's our turn to tell people about him, to share his truth with them, to share his love, to be his hands and his feet when he can't be here. God needs you to use the gifts that he's given you. He didn't flippantly create you and go, well, we'll just see what he does. I don't really care. No. It says he lovingly created you in his image. He knew who he was creating. And he wants you to live in his will. He wants you to find that path that he has laid before you. And to begin to use your gifts to bring him glory. And let me tell you, it will change your world. It will change your world when you begin to feel the power of the Holy Spirit moving inside of you as you are serving him. So, what do you do? What do you do about it? Where can you serve? You can serve all over the world. You can serve right here in our church, right here in our own community. Linda Alston is going to come up right now and, and she's going to tell you about one place that you can start finding out where your path is. One place that you can find out where you can serve. Thanks, Michael. Good morning. As we have continued to explore our identity to destiny and finding a way to strive to be more Christ-like, I want us to think about a couple things. One is, how can we continue to work to fulfill and pull our minds and hearts together to help find God's purpose for our lives? How can we serve God by serving others and possibly make a difference in even one other person's life? I can serve God by using my gift of prayer in the prayer room once a week. I can serve God by coming early to church each Sunday to set up chairs for new heights. I can serve God by using my leadership skills to lead a small group at church. I can serve God by visiting a homebound church member once a month. I can serve God by helping to cook a meal and serve it to the homeless the last Sunday of every month for fishing under the bridge. I can serve God by using my computer skills to help input churchgoers' attendance once a week. I can serve God by using my spiritual gift of hospitality and greeting people before church once a month and holding the door open for others. I can serve God by um, committing myself to the choir because I think I can sing. I can serve God by using my passion for theater and working with the drama team. I can serve God by driving the golf cart once a month to pick up churchgoers. I can serve God by visiting the Connection Expo and letting God lead my heart. Thank you. As you can see, there are so many ways that we can serve God. And we want to invite you to explore those opportunities and using your spiritual gifts and your passions by visiting the Connection Expo next Sunday here in the CLC. It will be here open from 9 a.m. to 12 noon. 
The expo is going to highlight many wonderful opportunities through our church for you to go out and serve others. Whether you have one hour a month or three hours a week, the expo team wants to help connect you, even with your busy schedule, in finding a way to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Ephesians 2.10 says it very well. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you here next week in the CLC for the Connection Expo.